0: it's dancing day Yes that's sir Boy <laughs> Dancing what is the dance
1: The dance is the FileMaker the, 16
0: dance It's the FileMaker 16 dance that's right I, <laughs> it's very very happy times cuz this is a big release Huge We're talking yes. big 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 Yeah Many features lots of things we've been waiting for for a long time lots of great surprises Your video, which I watched earlier today, was so awesome, going over all the features in detail. Thank you, sir, for doing that. Hey, no problem. Don't thank me. Thank FileMaker. FileMaker,
1: what they're doing now with their documentation, that's what makes it easy, because I just go through, look at their documentation of the new features, and then sort of organize it in a way that makes sense to me.
0: Well, and you've got stuff in several different major areas. You've got app functions and script steps. Uh, and there's some other pretty major things, too, that are kind of quiet, like WebDirect license, license changes and license limits. Hey, I didn't even know. Whereas, what are those? Um, WebDirect is now like three to four times as fast and can support 400 or something like that clients con- <laughs> concurrently, whereas the limit before was 100.
1: Oh, now that's because they're, they're doing distributed load. Right? They, can, they can do multiple uh, front-facing servers, web servers in front of one back end uh, the database
0: server Right, where, where it uh, used to also only be one yeah, so also to get past a certain number, I can't remember what that number is 50 or 100 or something like that, you have to deploy in the two-server configuration um, but that's a pretty awesome change uh, licensing-wise, it kind of makes sense to use site licenses for that but because uh, the concurrent licenses are still pretty expensive uh, yeah. But that's that's big.
1: I like that. That's what I thought you were saying. I thought you were saying eh, they toned the pricing down on the Web Direct a little bit.
0: No, the the <clears throat> there's still three ways to license it, right? So if you, you can either get FLT, file micro licenses for Teams, which is what almost all of our customers have, and that gives you basically a named user can either use Pro, Go, or Web Direct. Um then there's um well, the, the persistent ones, we don't really ever sell those. We just buy – we buy it. We pretty much just do the annual licenses. Um, and then site license, which gives you number of employees of the company, and then you get unlimited use of all FileMaker products for everybody. And that one starts at 25 users. That's by far the best value uh, on a per-user basis. So for our, for our customers that have like 15, 20 employees, that's what we always try to get them to do. Um, and then there's the concurrent user ones where you buy like FileMaker Pro licenses and then a number of concurrent users like if you have like 5 or 10 people out in the world who want to use WebDirect who aren't named users but they're like 200 people who could log in um, but only 5 at a time
1: Hmm. I haven't dealt with licensing a whole lot myself I just tend to do the development side of things
0: Yeah, I do a lot of the licensing stuff and the development stuff I do work with
1: uh, companies that do a lot of the licensing.
0: Yeah, like who? Uh, well, I,
1: I do stuff for uh, Chris over at iSolutions. Um, mostly, I, mostly, most of the consulting type work I do is just UI stuff. So I'll do the UI development, uh, create a theme, and then apply the theme to multiple layouts. Um, every once in a while, I'll pick up the de- the you know the full package development of a solution where I'll do the coding. Um, not so much deployment and implementation but the coding and the UI. So I'm not really going out on site and doing that and you know installing the licenses and installing server and things like that.
0: I do a lot of that. Let's talk about features though, man. Features, features, features. That's what people want to know about. Well, yes. you've got the same folder that I do. What's
1: uh Yes, I do. Let's uh, yeah. Since I took, this, uh, I took the approach and I broke it down into just the main three areas of uh, basically the application changes they made there, functions that are mm-hmm. new and then script steps, what out of that list uh, in each of those three areas, Which one jumps out? you know which one do you like out of the app ones when you scan them? Wow.:
0: Well, the calculation dialog one is great, so the data viewer now has a very different thing. I love that. Um, let's see. The copy and paste, I didn't actually know those things were there. So, like, in the past, you could copy and paste custom functions, which was really nice, but you couldn't do value lists. Now you can. It's actually the the final
1: item to all of the different things that might lead up to them being able to do maybe, layouts. hopefully, some version control <laughs> in the future. We can yes, copy yes, and paste. Yes. Uh, we've got layouts. We've got custom functions. We've got tables. Well, no, we don't have fields. layouts. You can't, you
0: can't copy and paste a whole layout with all of its parts.
1: No, not a whole layout, like from the that's layout. That's
0: what I mean. Oh,
1: all layout objects.
0: Yeah, layout objects, but you still if you have got a really complex sub summary, you got a lot of work to do to remake all those and redo all the sorts and print above, print below, and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, but I just duplicate still,
0: the layout. And then yeah, just that's redesign. true. Too. Yeah, but if you're going from a different file.
1: Uh yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah.
0: So anyway, I'm very glad that they're continuing to work on that. That's excellent. Layout objects palette is, I think, by far the biggie. Yeah. Um,
1: That is uh, – that's the – that's – yeah. I'm going to say – I'm going to agree with you on that one.
0: You know, on these – I think that's going to take time to really – for me to, like, fully even understand how beautiful that is. But being able to select objects and turn on and off objects by type – Select objects deep within a, um, a like a nested structure. It's gonna make it makes it very convenient working with tabs and um, grouped objects and stuff like that.
1: One of the biggest things that people find the biggest benefit I think people will find out of that uh, layout objects I, I, they call it a window, but I guess it should be called a palette because it's like the inspector palette and like the new field or the fields palette. But um, the biggest feature I think people will get out of that is. For advanced developers, it'll be basically object names. Being able to see your object names that are on your layout, especially if you do a lot of object referencing by doing a lot of go-tos, that's going to be pretty big because then you, you have a visual verification that they exist or they don't exist or that you've got copies with the stupid extra copy word on them, just depending on how you develop. But being able to select any object, and right-click on that object to be able to either change the name, set script triggers, or set conditional formatting without having to do it in the actual layout. Anything that's buried, it gives you instant access. So it's going to be a super big benefit to uh, mm-hmm. layout work that you're doing. Um, for me, from a, a developer standpoint, the one that I've got highlighted that I'm looking at is the in the script workspace. You have the ability to perform your script jump now. So by Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's if you're developing the way that you should in FileMaker, having smaller segments of code rather than monolithic scripts that try to do multiple different, uh, you know, solving multiple different things, these mm-hmm. small little chunks, you can just jump to those chunks, check them, modify them, whatever, just by holding that modifier key and then clicking on the name of the script that's being called. And it'll just right. open it in a tab right next to it. And then... Of course, with the script workspace being revised, you can now drag the tabs to rearrange them according to the way that you're actually thinking when yep, you're love doing that. that script jump.
0: Another really big one that you have here is the new window look. That's really – well, actually, there's two things that are associated with that. One of them is you no longer get the little zoomy things on the bottom left corner. Yep. Um, the encryption icon moves now to the top right corner. Okay. Um, but still on the window, which is good, so you can see the green lock. Um, but also in Windows, uh, it's the whole FileMaker interface is now not in a window. It runs like it does on the Mac, and it runs like other Windows applications run, like Excel, for example. When you have one spreadsheet open, it's just you know each each spreadsheet is a window in the application, as opposed to Excel being in a window and then all the spreadsheets in it. So, vastly better Windows experience. Yeah.
1: I'm uh, I am i am just I'm in love with the fact that the window now looks like an application window and it doesn't have that little iconic thing I just didn't like that you yep. couldn't take it off but I mean it, yeah it didn't bother a lot of people I know but UI designer I'm like I don't I didn't put that there I don't want it there <laughs> yeah I want to take it off but I can now yeah well it's gone
0: actually can you even add it Uh, No, even a toggleable thing. It's just no,
1: because of the card window, they had to take it off because they can't show that new window in the parent window if it has that little stuff on the bottom. Or that's my impression. What's what's a card window? That's That's a leading question. That's (laughs) the oh my gosh. That I think of all features, that is going to be the one thing that'll have the longest impact in terms of people discovering what they're going to be able to do with it, mostly because. People are probably thinking about it right now. Of, oh, I can just show another window. It's not just another window. It's another context. The one downside, mm-hmm. the one downside that I
0: wish. Oh, you were going to hop on this. Shadowing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not the shadow. Not. The, it would be nice to be able no. to turn off the shadow. No, the one thing that that really sort of uh, throws a kink in the whole thing is that you can't click on the parent window. If they allowed an option, uh, just any option where you could click on the parent window and in the child window, you now basically have a layout within a layout, which means you can have a completely different context. And because you can anchor that to any edge of the window at Hmm. any size, you you have a layout within a layout thanks to that new window option. But you can't – when it's frontmost, you have that window. It blocks all interaction with the window behind it.
0: Right. So. so I get that. But really, uh, I, I'll pause on the other side of this, right? Because this is like the first shoe dropping was uh, popover buttons where you can have a button that opened up and you could really, really efficiently use real estate on your layout. Uh, a small little button that opened up something that for editing like 40 fields and had a portal on it and had a web view and all this other stuff. Right. Um but it had to be in context, which means you were, you were using a portal. You couldn't really have list view. So for things like pickers and a lot of other features like that, this new card view is going to be massively useful and convenient uh, for developers. It's going to, it really, really makes FileMaker much more of an application development environment because now you can say, oh, well, I want to do a picker. I'm on a company or I'm on an invoice and I want to find a line item and do a search on the products database. Rather than changing layouts and losing that, you just you know do a card window, uh, go into uh, find mode or something like that on a list view, see a list of all your items, click on the product that matches, and then have your script say, okay, grab that product ID and stick a, you know create a line item on the invoice. It it makes that feature which I do all day every day uh, a very very different and much better experience for the client. Yeah, and much, it, it, much faster.
1: it'll reduce the complexity of graphs because if you think about it, currently in order mm-hmm. to do some of the similar things, you have to have a relationship in order to show a portal of data within a popover. Now you don't. You can just point to the other layout, and as long as that window is frontmost, that's your context, is that other mm-hmm. layout, even though your parent window is the layout that you started upon. So as soon as the window is dismissed, you're just right back in the same context. No extra yep. relationships, no portals, just basically get the data from a different context, use it in the context you want.
0: So, so this awesome. is technically a new window, though, still. And that means that it probably won't work on WebDirect. Is that right?
1: Correct. It doesn't work on WebDirect. Or Go? Uh, it does work on Go, and it does work on, uh, on desktop. And on okay. Go, you get to take advantage of the animations that they've implemented. Ah, that's right so the animations are you can do all the little uh, tricky flip and i mean they're really mm-hmm. focusing on mobile i mean they're really focusing on this we have to they probably read that gartner report or whatever that talked about you know the the switch has happened now you've got more people accessing data via the internet on mobile devices than you do on desktop devices and the wow. tr- the trend is just continuing uh, you know up and up and up and up so in order to secure their place you know, as being viable, it makes sense. Uh, focus mm-hmm. on uh, mobile. And it's awesome what they've done. When they brought, I don't know how many developers they brought in or if they did bring in new developers. I think when they went from 13 to 14, they completely rewrote their rendering model for Go in terms of how they were actually rendering. And it's uh, it's faster, it's zippy, the hardware's getting quicker. It's It's pretty awesome to be able to do that. Nice,
0: yep. And then you have, like, the new $349 iPad really helping things a lot. I have a lot of clients who are buying those. Yep. Tell me, tell me about external script steps. That's one I didn't really get to play with. Um, well, it's not a feature that we can
1: access as a FileMaker developer. It's something that's going to be exposed by plugin developers. So plugin developers have only been able to actually write to the calculation engine and reveal new uh, functionality via functions. Mm-hmm. But now they're going to be able to do it via script steps. Um, so, for example, a plugin developer, um, MBS, Troy, um, mm-hmm. community guys, a- anyone out there, they can now reveal the same functionality that they have as functions as script steps. So, think about a script step to create a new file on a hard drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, basically, you would have a script step that would be available in the list of scripts and it would be create file. And then maybe all you have to do is supply a path to that.
0: Oh, that's killer. Yeah, so pretty that. much
1: anything that you've seen done in functions, or most, a lot of things, they can do a script steps now. Which is actually, it's pretty big. This is uh, this I don't even think you'll find in the developer documentation. Um, for mobile, in particular, for if you're a FileMaker developer and you're, you've been using the iOS SDK, it now supports plugins. So, for example, Christian over at uh, MBS... Mm-hmm. You can actually integrate, uh, I think, close to like ninety percent of his functionality via a plugin. Build it into your iOS SDK bound FileMaker yep. Go app, and you have access. I mean, it's it's yep. awesome. That's I mean, awesome. Really, really big.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you can't like you can't just send somebody a database. You have to actually bind it. Use the SDK. But still, if you have a really important app and it's something in the app store, or something you want to deploy another way, that's a pretty great one. Oh, yeah, Um, there's another massive one in this app area. And that is variables in external data sources. This one is yep, hugely important for for, um, for like a vertical market application. So for example, you could have 50 customers with a solution on one server, uh, where each customer has their own data file, but one single interface file that serves all 50 clients. And when the client logs in, it checks to see their, their device ID or some sort of a lookup, you know, some local bit of data in the interface file, and then points them at their particular data file and nobody else's. Right. And uh, then the next user logs in, opening up the same interface file, and when they log in, they're seeing their own, their separate data file. Yep. In, at the same time. If they're on mobile, you can use your Latin long, and if somebody's in
1: Europe, I can point them to a completely different server
0: yeah so if the file yeah that's if the file's open local or if the file well, actually in this case that would really be the file open locally, that would make a lot more sense yeah um, but also if you you could put one file on a server and have people in it at the same time using different sets of data, which is huge
1: mm hmm it's uh,
0: completely dynamic and on the fly yep I'm- and add that to server sync and now you can go to it, really the top end of the scale of how big you can take a FileMaker app for simultaneous users goes way up. Oh, yeah. I'm, but yeah, that's a, that's going to be a really, really excellent uh, a feature. Um, let's see. Uh, OAuth is one that I think is going to be really important, but I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to implement it uh, since Google and Amazon both support it.
1: Yeah, it just um, really... So it, basically, all it's doing is that it's using your account at a third party to validate that you are who you say you are. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a handoff situation, and it has to go through FileMaker server. So in order mm-hmm. to use the OAuth, you have to set up and connect with the OAuth provider. It's, uh, currently, they have just the three, which is Google, uh, Microsoft Azure, or Azure, I forget how you say it, however they mm-hmm. want to say it, and uh, Amazon. Did I say? Yeah, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft. Yeah. Yep. So once you connect that and set it up within the FileMaker admin console, then you're able to set up, just like with regular external authentication with Active uh, Directory, or um, I forget what the one is on the Mac, but basically when the FileMaker file opens, it contacts server. Server then says, okay, they're trying to authenticate via this other service, and they will go and they'll show a dialogue via that service. So what happens is uh, if you're authenticated through Google, a, the dialogue that comes up should give you a dialogue for putting in your Google information. And I haven't set it up myself, but as far as I'm aware, this should also put support the multi-factor authentication of those providers. So if you have two-step exactly. turned I think on... Exactly. that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. ...for Google, you then have to do the whole, you know, use their app or get the call back or get the text. You enter that, and then once that's validated, then FileMaker says okay, here's your token back to the client and says okay, you can now communicate. But then it also has implications. um, Todd Geist did a good video um, with regards to if you're going to use it for the REST API that's built into server. Mm -hmm. If if that's how you've authenticated, Mm. you have to... Everything with OAuth uh, happens via tokens, which are basically just these long strings of numbers that, you know says, yes, I've already checked that you are who you say you are, and you can continue to get data. There's things called short-lived tokens and long-lived tokens. And typically uh, in a connection like with Fomica, you want a long-lived token where you can just continue Mm -hmm. to do things. You don't have to request a new token after it expires. But um, I think from the information that I know of, because I haven't done implementation yet, um, I think we do have some long-lived tokens, but they also have short-lived but uh, Todd has done more on this, and so I know he's got a video out there that I watched part of it.
0: Cool. So the functions there's these all seem to be pretty geeky. Base in, base sixty four encode decode um, encryption hexadecimal. Yep. The big one here, I think, is JSON. Right. That's the huge one that's going to have a lot of impact.
1: Yeah, if you Um, think about it, most of it hinges around the communication that FileMaker is doing. For example, if you're going to use JSON to communicate with other web services, really, in order to be able to do things, you have to be able to support the formats that they want. And so that can include the hexadecimal functions... Um, It definitely includes the crypt functions, all of the uh, cryptography functions that deal with any type of exchange with a third party. If they didn't put in the ability to use HMAC digests and things like that, then you you can't really communicate with a service like AWS. And then the same goes with the Base64 um, supporting the RFC formats for encoding uh, content. FileMaker only gave us one but now we have uh, multiple different flavors that we can base 64 encode data mm-hmm. and so they're all supportive of uh, you know being able to communicate with all these other services
0: yep and that's definitely where the JSON stuff comes in so Vince Manano and I recorded a podcast uh, um, also on 16 but we just focus on one feature which is tableau which is a data visualization tool that he's using and, and really loves and it's really awesome mm-hmm. and that that ties in very, very um, strong to the to the JSON functions, and also really to the um, to uh, the new REST API on the server. Yep,
1: very much so. In fact, there's a, a gentleman that I know, Vince Lackner. He's been pushing this for this oh, for yeah. actually Love the past uh, two releases, I think, going back to FileMaker 13. I had spoken with him at a, a Drupal conference, of all places. Mm-hmm. And uh he was just he had mentioned he's like, "Have you seen this tableau thing?" and I said, "No, and what's going on?" So I went and I checked it out, and yeah, they were just getting started i It might have been like two thousand thirteen or or whenfomi or thirteen was out, mm-hmm. and it just took off, and it's just this awesome visualization tool where you don't have to be a statistician and then know some language like Python in order to get mm-hmm. some type of visual rendering of data you basically just expose the data and then tableau has you know a plethora of different uh, visualizations and charting styles for that data and you can just choose them and then just dig down and explore the data but the stuff i saw vince uh, was talking about is which i'm interested is he uh, was talking about uh, integrating with fmp url and being able to once you've dug down into the data to pull mm-hmm. to trace back up or then go down another path That'd be really awesome. Hmm. I I haven't exper- I haven't uh, played with that stuff.
0: So one of the uh, other implications of the JSON functions is now we really have a, a native way, finally, that's not doesn't involve stupid tricks to to pass and uh, interpret multiple parameters. So when you call a script and you want to send five parameters, the JSON functionality I think is hopefully something we can all agree on as developers to to use that rather than. Um, the other custom function ways or the other ways we've been doing that.
1: Well, you know, I'm actually, I'm probably going to be on the other side of that uh, that discussion, mostly because JSON setup for JavaScript works for JavaScript, and FileMaker itself, it doesn't have that JavaScript bend towards it. I'm not anti-custom functions. It would be nice to have a native um, parameter passing method, and I think they could implement that still. Some people are obviously going to jump on the bandwagon and uh, use the JSON functions. But if you think about it, you're just sending a giant block of text. It's in a Mm well-structured format of this Mm -hmm. JavaScript um, object notation. Mm -hmm. But you still have to do the work of parsing that out. You still have to say, okay, out of this giant script parameter that you gave me, which is a big chunk of text, Mm -hmm. I have to now do multiple different set variables. So if there's four pieces, four parameters coming into your script, you're going to have to have four different uh, set variables, and you're going to actually have to pull them out, and then you may have to actually validate whether or not those keys were there. Um, the one thing that I liked about what uh, had evolved from uh, Mikhail Adoshin, his um, multiple parameters a long time ago, and then <coughs> super enhanced by Jeremy Bonte, was that by using an internal native format, the let format, with mm-hmm. one single call to a set variable, you automatically expand out as many different variables them, yeah. as the script needs. So it keeps your scripts right. a little bit more trim. That so, actually
0: is what we've been using for the last several years. Yeah. But then, the, the, but the downside of that is you don't actually expressly get to see and define what those variables are. You have to do that redundantly because I really want to know what those parameters are. And so that's why I kind of like the you know the the get param function. I used to use the one from. Uh, John Sindler, um, because you have to expressly say these are the parameters I'm getting. I'm getting the ID and the company name and the invoice ID and blah blah blah. Um, yeah, and they're, and they're sort of defined right there in your script. You can see them, test for them, and so that's that, that's you know like the JSON functions. That's definitely uh, the same kind of thing. It's more express. You have to kind of grab the name value pair and grab that value for this given name.
1: Yeah. Well, if you put if you name your script like a function then the parameters that are inbound are implied. It doesn't mean that you get exactly those once oh, yeah, you validate true, yeah. for it, but that's how I code. I just write yeah, what parameters are expected f- in the name.
0: Yep, so. we've I've done some of that as well. Um, what are the other functions that really grab you that you think are important?
1: Well, the two estimated. that are going to impact, if you do any type of data manipulation, the two that are going to hit you the most um, are sort values and unique values. I can't count mm-hmm. the number of times that you're working with lists of data, um, such as a list of a bunch of keys, and you want to find out whether a key exists in that list or not, and you're using globals in order to drive mm-hmm. portals to show data. Um, being able to sort those, and well, the unique values are more there, the sorting, where that comes into play is if you're using a technique like virtual list, where you're using a portal to mm-hmm. show data, data that's coming from memory being able mm-hmm. to sort values without having to go through a custom function that does recursion golden it's it's absolutely brilliant so oh,
0: well, sort values if you sort your keys it doesn't change the sort order of the portal necessarily well no it? yeah
1: don't think about um, keys keys are yeah. more uh, applicable to unique values when, uh, when I'm talking about sort values think about actual mm-hmm. like values like um, Okay. The like you know a list of animals where you want to get right, those or you dollar
0: know. amounts on an invoice or something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's that's okay. where that's because when you use virtual list to display it, you're just displaying from data that's in a variable in a portal, and you're just um, basically using you know an unstored calculation in order to show that. But you don't have the penalty of an unstored calculation because it's not the data is not coming from FileMaker Server;
0: it's coming from a local variable. Got it. That's going to be way more performant. That's right. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be the Even performant sort of bros. Of, sort of a made-up word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, But yeah, that, everything hinges, I think, around those JSON functions. I mean, and the one nice thing, I mentioned it in my video. The When you first get exposed to starting to use the JSON functions, it's not inherently obvious unless you go through every bit of the details in the documentation, which is good. There's only, I think... Five or six JSON functions, and I highly suggest you go through the documentation, read everything about them. On the set element, it actually acts like the substitute function where you can do multiple embeds. So you don't have to have um, multiple calls to JSON set element embedded within JSON set element, with embedded within JSON set element. You just basically right. say how many you want. You have to become familiar a little bit with the way that JSON paths work for objects. Once you are, it is so Mm -hmm. easy to create a a well-structured JSON object. Cool.
0: Well, I hadn't... Sort values and unique values sort of escaped my notice a little bit in testing, so I'll have to look at those more carefully, too. That sounds interesting. Now we're on to script steps. uh, And there's, I think, for me, the really, really big one here is a web direct feature, um, which is the ability... Uh, actually, two two sides. Uh, Server-side, you can make PDFs, and FileMaker WebDirect can do PDFs now. Yep. Those were not possible before, and that's a really, really big thing because we used to have to do weird robots or workarounds to export PDF files. Yep. In fact, that's
1: exactly what I've – every time I've come across, people have issues. They're like, why is this robot running on the same machine that FileMaker Server is running on? Why are you running a copy of FileMaker? Yeah. And it's because they hey, were you know doing this- it for PDFs.
0: I just remembered one other thing too. There's a, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but on FileMaker Go, um, there's that uh, data URL. Maybe it's the right term. So like, if uh, one of the projects we're working on, if you, you can have a um, integrating with Square, you can have FileMaker Go send a transaction to Square with a URL. Right. So the just calls the calls the Square app says charges customer X amount of money. Here's the uh, description I want you to use. Then Square can process the transaction, but in 15, when it sends the information back to FileMaker and calls back that callback URL, FileMaker's deaf to it. But there's a new feature in FileMaker Go 16 that can understand that and parse it and process it properly. Huh. I haven't heard of that that. new to you? Yeah, okay. That's a a quiet one, but I think a really important one for that multi-app integration in FileMaker Go.
1: No, I'll have to... I'll have to dig deep for that one because basically when you, um, when you hand a, an outside app a URL, if it does support callbacks, that's basically just as if you were calling Filemaker directly itself. So Filemaker always should have been able to handle that. but if there's something new that they're basically doing more insured communication, that's interesting to me.
0: Well, I think it's I think it's the package of information that comes back from the app. It could it could have more than it could easily fit in a URL. It could have a, you know a big old block of text or something. Hmm. Um, or I guess it could have been in a URL, but it would have been for whatever reason it didn't work, and now it now it's supported.
1: Oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig for that one then. Yes, sure. you
0: should. As will I. Now that it's out. So yeah, there was um, a
1: really big I mean complete uh, sidetrack here, but um, Apple purchased Workflow, and Workflow was the app that you have uh, that was available that allows you Mm -hmm. to access all of the different APIs within iOS. So if you wanted FileMaker to be able to to do anything that FileMaker couldn't do, such as talk to the camera, tell it to take three pictures, combine those Mm -hmm. into a GIF, and then get it into a container, Workflow Mm -hmm. is the iOS app that you could do that, and Apple bought it. So it's going to expose even more low-level access to APIs Hmm. that you can do with FileMaker on mobile.
0: That sounds very interesting. Looking forward to that. Yep. Awesome. Um, let's see. New window card, that's really a script step. We talked about that. And, and actually the cool thing about that is it's not just available like as a separate command. But you, uh, uh, what I learned in your video is anytime you see the new window command, like I go to related records and open up new window, right there is the ability to make it a card window.
1: Yeah. Any Anywhere so, where a new window can be instantiated.
0: Yeah, which means you don't even have to have a script for that necessarily. You can just say, you know you know right on this layout make a button the button goes to a related record i use that feature all the time where i do all the complex settings for the related record now you can say new window card window
1: yep and you don't even have to the only thing you have to be aware of is if you if you turn off the close option if you uncheck the box for a close box then you've got to give the user a way to close that. They may not know the menu command will still work. So, like a command W or on Windows Control mm-hmm. W will still get the the frontmost window gone. But most people, you know, give a little checkbox to close the window or something in that.
0: Yeah, I would think like Escape would make more sense than close window for the little pop up thing. But yeah. Uh, insert from device signature is that actually allow a signature on WebDirect? What's that feature do?
1: It's um, basically just an enhancement in terms of how it's presented. And I think it's it's a mobile-only thing. Um, okay. So anywhere where you can actually do the signature capture. And all they did is they just gave you uh, a couple of different options. They used to go full screen, but now they have yep. overlay and embedded. So you're able to, oh, nice. to change how the, how or where the signature is captured.
0: And then here's another really, really big one, too, Curl.
1: This one is phenomenally huge. Without this, FileMaker would have no point of JSON functions. It would have no point of all of the different cryptography functions. Really, this is this is FileMaker's gateway out to the rest of the world. Um, Curl was always built into FileMaker, but they never really exposed all of the functionality. And now they did. And like I mentioned in my video, I love the way that they did it. It's going to be hard for for some people. Uh, To get your head around how curl works, you have to actually sort of get familiar with uh, the command line. It works by – the way that the curl implementation works is it's – every aspect of what you're going to do is modified by these little – they call them flags. And these Mm -hmm. little flags, they start with double dashes, so it's dash, dash, and then whatever, however you want to modify the behavior of curl. So if Mm -hmm. you want to be able to upload a file or if you want to be able to communicate with FTP or communicate with even an SMTP server, you have to do multiple different things. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different little options and nuances that can make it very frustrating. For example, using curl to communicate with a secure server Everything has to be in the right place, and uh, I'm sure there'll be tons of different online videos and people showing all kinds of stuff, but this really is the only way that you can get out of FileMaker. But the coolest thing, the way that they implemented how you deal with files and sending data, because in the world of REST, you've got these different uh, transfer methods like post, get, patch, uh, put, delete, etc., you can specify what those methods are that you're going to use, but in order to transfer something like a file, you can't actually transfer a file from the operating system. So you have to get the file into FileMaker and then get it into a variable, and you can do that. I mean, FileMaker's always been able to read a file or the contents of a file into a variable, but now you can actually do it with all of the insert steps. They uh, allow you to say, for example, insert file... Into a variable, and then when you use insert from URL with curl options, that's when you can transfer that file, which is stored in memory, to wherever it needs to be, upload via a post or what have you. Right, that's big. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's, big. that's what the, they're going to have a ton of DevCon sessions about, you know, interacting with uh, APIs and uh, everything that FileMaker has to do to go out and talk with services.
0: So yeah, now all the devcon sessions that were sort of not advertised as to what they were, the actual sessions title should be visible now.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sad I'm not gonna be there. I'm gonna have to uh I'm gonna have to like text a few people and they can like yeah. put up my little progress of where I am on the trail. I'm gonna be <laughs> what are you gonna be doing? I'm walking ninety miles. Well backpacking wow. ninety miles.
0: So. Wow. And you pick the same week, huh? oh it was already picked before
1: well I knew what the DEVCON days were but I knew that I was coming up on that trip and uh, so it's one of those once in a lifetime situations and you're like "Ah, I'm going to go on this backpack trip
0: that's almost four marathons so it's (laughs) going to take you what eight ten hours (laughs) oh no 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 it's like eleven days (laughs)
1: yeah so
0: that's awesome big adventure
1: yeah looking forward to it
0: where are you going to be um, it's a place called Philmont
1: Scout Ranch. It's out in New Mexico. They have like some oh, okay. like 270,000 acres or whatever, and you pick a route, and you go with a... It's a Boy Scouts uh, thing, and so mm-hmm. you're out there on the trail and just having an
0: experience. That's cool, going with the kids, huh?
1: Yep. A few of them.
0: So. That will be awesome.
1: Otherwise, I'd be at DevCon, well, enjoying yep, the heat...
0: Yeah, it shouldn't be above 120. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just under, you know, 119. But they got that lazy yeah. river. That's going to be so That's fun.
0: I'm, I'm very looking forward to that, for sure. Any other big features? I think we've kind of hit the really big ones, I, all the ones that are exciting to me.
1: Yeah, the only uh, the only one that we sort of glossed over, I think, was the text encoding functions. Um, not uh, you know not mm. super mm-hmm. exciting, but Fomaker has always been a UTF-16 app. Um because it's multilingual for um, your Asian languages as well. But we never had any type of control with getting stuff in and out of container files or in and out of FileMaker. They import and the export, they added yep. UTF-8 um, after having started with UTF-16. But now those two functions allow us to encode the contents of files with whatever line endings and whatever encoding we want. And that's going to be big. That,
0: I think I've been wanting that since around 2009. Badly. Yep.
1: The being <laughs> able a, to do the had old one,
0: return. Yeah, we actually swap. had to do a plugin to do it. Yep. Uh, which had the capability. Yeah. That's where you had to character had to ex- return plus line feed.
1: There you go. All of your uh, mm-hmm. char- what are they character elevens or something that file yeah. inserts when you when it exports.
0: Yep. Yeah. And it breaks a lot of other systems when you try to integrate it. So that'll be really nice to have that control. That's a big one. Yep. Well, it's a subtle one, but it's good for sure. And the logo's a different color now, too. I like it. It's not purple anymore like the last 15 versions.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you don't have to remember what direction is it. Is going purple top down or purple bottom up? Purple. Which yeah, one is exactly. which?
0: <laughs> now it's a... I don't know. I was going to say blue, but it's not really blue. It's more like a... Yeah, it's the blue-purple. Violet, blue-purple. But it, not a not a magenta-purple. Yeah. Not fuchsia.
1: No, they took out the pink. Pulling out yep. the reds. One thing, uh, there is the... Um, the uh, region monitor script um, you can mm-hmm. configure a script that uh, if you're using iBeacons beacons within a geofenced area when you get into that area then the, uh, the script can be run automatically or triggered yeah so if that's you are nice. doing anything with those iBeacons beacons based on proximity it's it's pretty cool to be able to fire a script when somebody comes within a range of devices
0: yeah I think that's key that was kind of one thing that was uh, kind of Missing from iBeacons in the first uh, version of it, in 15, um, that's going to be a very good feature. Yeah. Yeah, so like a, like walking around a building, if you get close to something that's of interest, rather than you having to go do something in the app to say, hey, am I close to this thing yet? Am I close to this thing yet? It'll say, hey, by the way, you're now 10 feet away from the thing that is important to you.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, um, you can use the technology that's already in FileMaker. For example, you can use any type of... Uh, a hard-coded ID that you associate to a given account, in say like a table, and as soon as somebody comes within range of a door—I don't know that you'd want to do this, but you could do it—if uh, you've got an eye beacon on the inside of the door, and they become come within range of the door, and they've got their phone with them, and they've got FileMaker opened, then they, you could open the door based on them having their phone logged in as
0: themselves, and it just opens hmm. <laughs> for them. Very nice. So, Have you seen if, if uh, 16 supports Touch Bar on the new MacBook Pros? I don't know. I, I don't mean, know either. I hadn't heard anything about that. I kind of don't think so, but I just wondered.
1: Probably a, a lower edge case type of scenario thing.
0: Yep. Swiping records, well,
1: that's, stuff like that.
0: Yeah, sure. That's all the big stuff that is stuff we forgot we'll get to on the next episode yep which won't won't be three months from now it'll be sooner (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks everyone for listening Matt always great to talk to you hey great talking with you my friend as always
1: (laughs) as we fade out yep